Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Steve. You you were really quick on the draw that time. I'm quick on the draw this morning. I'm. You're quick all the time. Man, I'm drinking this Aldi coffee. It's uh, like two sixty nine for like a I don't know a twelve pack, sixteen pack, whatever those little Keurig cups. I know some of my friends think they're evil. Can you Kinda, believe yeah. that? Two sixty nine instead of like nine ninety nine, twelve ninety nine. Yeah, I guess we'll save that for another conversation when we talk about. Then the we should talk about you and your whole uh, French press deal. <laughs> French press, I like that. Now we could talk about that. See? That would be appropriate. I knew it. <laughs> I'm a. I love my French press. We're uh, we've, um, man, we have had a lot of stuff go on. I don't think. We've actually talked here a little bit, really. No, not at all. There's been too much happening. I uh, saw you the other day, and uh, actually, <laughs> we had a good time for about 20 minutes finishing putting together a bicycle for your mom. <laughs> yeah, I think you did it in 10 minutes. That was fun. That was fun. And seeing your mom, by the way, I've got some video. I think you have some video of that as well that I'm going to put on Facebook. Seeing your mom ride a tricycle and squeal like a little kid was the highlight of that day for me. Yeah, it was the first bike she's ever owned. She's never owned a bicycle. She's probably never ridden a trike, I mean, except for when she was a little kid. And so being back on there was, uh, that was just, that was pure joy. That was better than Aldi coffee. And thinking of my mom makes me think of um, Dulcibur mom and, and I want to hit this before we, we get too far into the show. Gene Ritchie passed away two days ago, June 1st, oh, no. 2015. Tell and me a story. A story. Huh? Tell me a Gene Ritchie interaction story. I'll tell you this. The first thing is uh, when I was in high school, my mom, what did she do? I think she went to the, the uh, Kenton County Kentucky Library book sale where they're getting rid of old books, you know. And this is like, I don't know if this was 91 or 89. I can't even remember. But she brought home In Search of the Wild Dulcimer. And I'm Robert pretty Forces sure yeah. she brought home Dulcimer People. Like that's the title by Gene Ritchie. And both of those books, that was the first time I got a sense that there is a community around these instruments, other than just the little club in Cincinnati, you know. And um, that's such a cool book. And it really made me interested. I wanted to be a part of that community. So really, Gene Ritchie, with all those photographs... You know, In Search of the Wild Dulcimer had a lot of sketches in it, but I think Gene Ritchie's book had photographs. It was so intriguing. And one of the last biographies she covers was, it was a young kid, and I think he was playing an electric dulcimer. And I just thought, man, you know, we've got, it looks like hardcore traditionalists in their upper years. We've got a young kid with, you know, an electric pickup. Clearly... I am into dulcimer, and I really think back to that book as a starting point. And I saw pictures of her, you know, when she was probably in her 20s, 
And I don't think I realized at first, maybe, I wasn't sure how old anybody was when you look at these pictures. And I just yeah. thought, this this Gene Ritchie's a babe. <laughs> and I just <laughs> Well, thought, those are beautiful. Do, do you know if George, her husband, George Pico, took those shots? I think he probably did. And he always said something like, and he would say this often to get a laugh out of people. He would say, I wasn't sure about her singing, but I I sure thought she was beautiful or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Uh, I had a comp phone conversation. I was writing an article about Gene a few years ago. And uh, everything about that phone call, I remember because I was excited. You remember things often when you're excited, right? Yeah. Uh, because I was talking to a, a living legend two living legends and I knew it because George was alive at the time and uh, Gene of course was alive and uh, George was upstairs and Gene was downstairs and I'd already done the interview and we were working on getting permissions to use some of George's photography for this article Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they were bickering on the telephone about where all the pencils were in the house (laughs) <laughs> and she she was complaining because he couldn't find anything and he was complaining because she hides everything. That's great. <laughs> it was it really was. It was I know this is it's not significant in the life of somebody as famous as that, but it was significant in my life hearing these two people who I kind of had almost speechless respect for being people and uh getting a glimpse into the way they live their lives and it was it was pretty cool. Good yeah, folks, totally good down to earth people. people. Totally real people, yeah. So, and I, I interviewed her sad. a while back, and um, I asked her if she could. And see, I think that was—I haven't interviewed a whole lot of people. Well, yeah, I have, <laughs> but at that point, I hadn't, and I was editing a lot. You know, I hadn't figured out how to just do an interview. And there was this one section where I asked her to give advice to folks. And she actually kind of hem-hawed a lot on it, and I added some of that out. But she was reluctant to give advice. And then she gave some great advice. She, You know, it's like she said, I'm not going to give any advice, but I will say this. She said, for me, the dulcimer has always been uh, the perfect accompaniment for the more important things in life. Oh, how nice. I thought that was cool. You know, because it is, it, we're dulcimer geeks, but it's not the most important thing in life. Yeah, that's, that's true. Oh, my goodness, is that true? And I've got another quote here. At one point I saw... I saw some activity on YouTube... It was back in 2008 or 2009, and I saw her husband's name, you know, for the user account, and I thought, well, this may not be the Richies, but I just wrote some stuff and actually got a response back, and it was from Gene. And just a segment of this letter, and I I posted this on Facebook recently, but I just love this. Uh, She writes... Yes, I get to feeling that dulcimer playing has far outgrown me and left my sort of playing behind. That's all okay, as long as my cog in that wheel is still remembered by a few. There has to be a beginning somewhere. 
I still like just playing alone on a moonlit night outside with the lightning bugs. Today's dulcimer scene has its place, and great beauty and talent is there, but it gets a wee bit frightening when there are many players and you feel the competitive waves washing around you. That's all right. Competition has its value, as long as the soft, lonesome magic can still be found and enjoyed by each of those competitors when he or she is alone in a quiet place with the music. I'll hush before I get too poetic. That's what even the thought of the dulcimer does to me. And that was the end of the letter. And I just love out of this where she says, the soft, lonesome magic in a quiet place. I mean, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So we love you, Jean. And I, I'm, uh, I'm thankful for the uh, inspiration she provided and the joy. And she just was really cool. I wish I'd get to know her better, but, um, I've got one more story. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I was in Berea recently. I don't know if it was two years ago now. And um, they were honoring dulcimer builders. And I'm pretty sure the only living one, Warren May, and he was in attendance. And Gene. Oh, I was there. Sick. Remember? Oh, you were there. That's I right. I was there that day. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> I got some good pictures actually of that day. I might see if I can find one and yeah, you should we'll look attach it to these show notes. Well, remember Jean had been sick and they brought her in a wheelchair and we weren't sure she was going to make it and she hadn't been attending a whole lot of stuff for a while. Yeah, I, actually, I think at that point, everybody thought this is this may be the last time, you know, or That's one of the right. last times she's out in public, but she... Re- and... I was told specifically that Jean had asked not to be involved in any major way. She just wanted to, she wanted to be in the, this very tiny audience and, you know, just wanted to be there to support everybody. But I, she didn't want to play or sing or anything like that, you know. So um, I was asked to, to demo a lot of these old instruments. And at some point, you know, when you're up, when you're just improvising, especially with talking, I end up saying stupid stuff, of course, a lot. But um, I looked at the fellow who was running it, and I, I just started messing with him. I said something like, "You know, people were asking if I would sing, and so I was looking at him and saying, why don't you sing with me on this next one?' You know, just picking on him a little bit, and." Uh, Jean happened to be sitting right near where I was looking, and I think she thought I was saying to her, hey, why don't you sing this with me? <laughs> and I remember her eyes getting really big. I don't know that she looked mad, but it was almost like she may have been sending me a little message, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, I, and I wondered, and that, that all worked out, but it, I was wondering how her brain was and everything, and afterwards... She approached um, a chromatic mountain dulcimer. It was actually, it was both diatonic and chromatic. Uh, it was hanging on the wall, and the fellow that owned it was there. And it was a, um, it, it was a Homer Ledford. But you know, I'm I'm standing there wondering how Jean's head's doing. I, we didn't know how sick she was. She just lights up, starts talking to everybody grabs that chromatic dulcimer down and just starts playing it. 
You know, <laughs> I thought that was so cool. That's I'll never forget that. There was more Gene there than we knew at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, until that moment. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll see if I can dig those pictures up. That would be great. Get some of those posted. That's a good idea. Wow. So that's sad news. Uh, we... Ah, boy, I don't want the show to be a, 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 a downer. And I don't think any of those stories. I don't you, think it's uh, a downer. It's you know, yeah. it's it's sad, but it's 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 adventure that she inspired, and so why shouldn't we reflect that adventure back and you know and just be excited about her adventure? The weight of her death uh, adds to something that we see because of Dulcimer Players News Magazine, in that uh, there's a lot of people that. I've gotten to know through the years that are no longer with us That's right. uh, in this particular community because uh, the community people tend to come to it at about retirement age. And yeah, so Facebook's been kind of wonderful for that, I think, because we get to participate a bit more in people's lives. That's right. and it's wonderful, but at the same time, it, it, it maybe tugs at your heart just a bit more because you might hear that someone you met once at a festival uh, had died, but now you actually might have been talking to them and sharing pictures of your grandchildren. And uh, well, the way it worked (laughs) in the old days was you'd see somebody every, like there were people I would see at every festival, every two or three weekends, all over the country, same person all over the country. And then for some reason you'd quit seeing them, but because you're dealing with two or 300 people, you don't realize you've quit seeing that person. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, often somebody would get sick, disinterested or die. And I don't think you would have any clue about it. And as the years go by, I always I'm wondering, you know, there could be at least 100 faces that I was really used to seeing everywhere, like these real troopers. And because nobody said, hey, that person's died, you know, I, I just have no idea. And Facebook hooks us up a little bit on as far as that goes. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. I think it's probably good for the community in the long run. And, it, and I know that it's been good for Dulcimer Players News, which I hope in turn then is good for the community. Yeah, we're we're holding our own and getting getting new subscribers. Angie and I just got back from a incredible trip. And uh, as she was catching up on the bookkeeping stuff, she said, wow, look at all these new subscribers that came in while we were gone. Yeah, you know, so they, you you went to Africa. That's a that's a big deal. Yeah, I don't want to be one of those uh, people that says everything you do changes your life, but <laughs> this really changes your experience and maybe even your worldview just a bit <clears throat> in breaking down some barriers. Yeah, well, Have, why don't you? Um, I think it's all right to tell us a little bit about this. I don't know that I'll ever go to Africa. But I might. Oh, I hope you do. I hope you do. Well, I have a thousand stories. I guess the the dulcimer geek related ones uh, would begin with I made it there and back with the Dusty Strings D three hundred hammer dulcimer. Yeah, you're supposed and to give us an update on that. Yeah, so every step of that uh, was was okay. I did. I, I took advice I had gotten from other veteran musicians, which is uh, when you when you. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go all the way back to this David Wilcox story. 
where he talked about, he wrote about this, and you can find it if you just blog David Wilcox flying with a guitar, where he said uh, he kind of, because he flies all the time, you know, he's gigging everywhere, and he said on days where he'd be really worried about his guitar, those are the days that his guitar would get stuck under the plane. Yeah, that's good. And But he said whenever he would approach it with like, ah, you know, it's going to work out. It'll work out one way or the other. And he didn't look like it was a big deal and took his guitar out and played, you know, and just kind of chilled out. He said those were the days that they treated him to him. He said he felt like it was almost like a, you know, a wild animal looking for the weak one. That's, <laughs> That's the person who's checking the tickets. And if you look weak, something's going to happen to you. Uh, so anyway, I was able to, with the exception of one time, or tw- two times, uh, put my plane, put my dulcimer on the plane, either in a coat closet or in overhead. Now, a D300, and uh, we should probably check the measurements of that compared to like the Rick Thumb Traveler and some of the other smaller instruments, does fit in the overhead compartment of every plane we were on, with the exception of this little puddle jumper we took from D.C., uh, to Chattanooga. Now, what do you mean puddle jumper? Like a jet with two seats on one side and one on the other or what? Exactly. Two seats on one side and one on the other. And to be honest with you, I think it would have fit in that too. And if I had it to do over again, especially on the last flight back, I would have been a little more like, hey, can we just walk on and try this? But you know you know what it's like. Everybody get on the plane and, it, and it's so full and so rushed. You're rushed so you can get in there and sit and not do anything while you wait before you take off. But it on all the others... Not only did it fit, because they're deep enough, the dulcimer fit, and I could put my backpack and Angie's backpack on top of it. So I was able to honestly say, this takes up no more room than if I just had these two bags. I'll tell you what you should have done is once you got those in there, take a photograph of that. I know it. I thought about that once I was sitting and my camera was up in the backpack. And then when, I sure did. When you go to a plane in the future, you got an eight, eight and a half you know, eight by 10 or whatever. Yeah. Next time we, we've got uh, another trip coming up uh, and I'm going to see if I can't do that. So, yeah. So anyway, that's really good news because you can say, Hey, look, this takes up no more room. I've done this before. And these cases fit on top of it because no one I've ever seen anybody put their shove their stuff in on top of somebody else's stuff in the overhead. They always put them side by side, but that thing's flat, and you can shove your stuff on top of it, and it's fine. So that was that was really awesome news. Now, in the two times that I had to put the thing under the plane, uh, I had done all the other stuff. I had played. They had seen it. I had gotten there as early as I could and talked to them and let them see what was up. And I had said from the beginning, I recognize there's a chance this will go on under the plane. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, I just want you to see it. And then I, so I would, you know, open it up. I also opened it up for the people who are actually going to put it under the plane. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's I, good. I said, here's the top of this thing. It's really fragile, and I'm making a major trip, and this is probably the only one in the country, so it's really important to me that it makes it. And I was also able to stand and watch them put it on. They did exactly what they said they would do. They put it on last, and when they brought it off, they generally brought it off and put it on its own shelf and hand-carried the thing up. So, And I'm nothing. I'm nobody special, so... Uh, be nice to them. <laughs> right. You know, they've got a they got a hard job. Uh, I so usually, that was exciting. I usually I think I've said this before, maybe on this show, but I always tell them I'm committed to cooperating with you, but may I please try this? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, well, that was kind of the same thing that I was saying. Look, I know this may end up going under the plane, 
uh, and was even told it would have to one time. So you got a coat closet open? And they said, well, can I go inside? And I'm like, you betcha. <laughs> so that was good. Well, good. And so uh, you, um, did anybody, did any Native Africans um, hear you play? Like, did yes. you really expose somebody to a totally new thing? Absolutely. And I've got some video that the, the audio is kind of distorted on it, but of me playing hammer dulcimer with uh, a couple of drummers and singers. And so this one came about, we stayed at a camp called Kiambi. And uh, the way they call people to dinner is with the drums. And when the, when the dinner's ready. So I had seen those drums earlier and just leaning out, I didn't know that's what they were there for. And I was just messing with stuff. And I played drums for a few minutes and the camp director you know, I saw her kind of looking at me. At first, I thought I was in trouble, and she was like, oh, that's really cool. And she had apparently told the other guys, and then so they invited me to play drums with them. And then uh, I said, hey, I'd like to bring my instrument, and they were excited about that. And, yeah, so you betcha. We got to do some stuff. So did, never were you able before. to bring your um, – does that instrument have the damper pedal on it? No, I didn't really need it, though, because it's small. And if I'd had dampers, it would have been even cooler – but uh, it's interesting, this one song that we recorded, they launched right into the key of G. Can, can I talk about get musically geeky for just a minute, yeah, Steve? Because I think this is important. I think this is really important, and we've got about eight Are minutes Are you left. kidding? Can you get geeky on the podcast with geek in the title? Please. I hope so, because this, this is totally geeky, and we may lose some folks here. But this is I'm what working people on want, it. Dan. <laughs> I'm, I, don't know. I don't know if they want any of this, but... You know, and I know, that the word crooked, when we talk about old-time music, just means that somebody didn't know how to count well. <laughs> and they That just, is totally not true. Well, okay, you can go ahead and defend it, but what happens... Oh, I'll swear on my life that's not true. Well, there are songs that maybe they're written crooked, but I think crooked mostly came from people singing and just starting a verse when they wanted to. The biggest and, part of Crooked came from people who had no singing going on, and we're talking about like a, a pre-1900 way of extending phrases, but doing so in a very intentional way. But let's just leave me out of this for a minute. No, I think I like having you in this, because maybe this is an ongoing conversation. I've noticed in playing with people that I think might represent... Uh, self-taught people, which I am too, by the way, uh, that have never had to play with a big ensemble, that there's a tendency for them, Johnny Cash did this, that like they'd be playing and all of a sudden they'd just start another verse or they'd start the chorus. Yeah, or and extend skip it by um, an odd amount. A, a few beats or a, a measure right. more than you would have expected according to the uh, and last I would ex time through. Or right. I would expect that to happen more from somebody who comes from what you would consider to be maybe a primitive the way that they've learned the instrument uh, as opposed to a formal way of learning the instrument. And, you know, you learn it and you're cool with it. When there's words, you can get it. And when there's simple, simple things going on, you can get it. Uh, having played with an, an African drummer, drummer from Ghana quite yeah. a bit, and thinking, I'm he's talking about myself now. right? And he's in Chattanooga, yeah. Kofi Mauko. Uh, it used to bug me when all of a sudden I'd go, I'm lost. I was, and we sounded so good. Now I feel like I'm off a half beat or something and try to, and trying to figure it out. I think I understand that better now because I think a lot of African drumming is crooked 
and it's based on if we talked about a very traditional Western song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. We know where the next word's going to come in. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Up above the world, because that fell on the right beat, right? Uh, but if that, if you think about that as a rhythm, you would know where it would start again. Their traditional beats are long phrases, and sometimes they go with words that are not being sung. Sometimes the words are being sung. When I heard the words being sung and saw how they would just jump and start another verse again, I realized this is just like old-time music, and you've huh. just got to kind of find where they are again. Now, I could be wrong about that. This is, a, uh, this is the wonder phase in the Socratic, Socratic method. I wonder if that's what's happening and well, what, what makes a Western drummer feel like they've gotten lost all of a sudden. What's real interesting is if you listen to modern electronic dance music, which, believe it or not, I listen to a lot, um, it started off four on the floor. You know, yeah, and everything's one, two, three, four. And what's been interesting is we've had that for a number of decades now, and I'm starting to hear some of these um, producers actually dropping in one additional every once in a while, or sometimes two additional ones, and it's a way to tease you. You know, you're you're feeling like, okay, I know what's coming on this next beat. Not the guy just threw in two extra beats, and it's almost like one, two, three, four, one, one, two, three. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, I think even that can still feel okay if you're just bobbing your head. But when it's a half beat, <laughs> that's when you feel like, oh, no, there's something wrong with me. Yeah, and see, yeah. I guess that's the you could get real geeky on that because that a half is a, percent, is, is a percentage, which you could count as a whole if you want to. Yeah, well, half. that's right. That's exactly right. So whenever I would say, Kofi, please count this out for me, oh, and yeah, I would be yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. something like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, if it was in seven, eight. Yeah. Instead, what he would count would be something like this. I'm going to count and put in beats. Yeah. He'd go one, two, three. That's hard to count because there were these long phrases. See, here and, we are uh, talking about this, and it's such an exciting topic, but I also would like to hear, okay, I'm, I'm caught, I'm caught. Let me just say that it's totally normal. I, when I first heard Crooked, I thought, well, that's just field recordings of guys that have gotten so old they're a little sloppy now. But okay. as I started to listen really to many, 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 many old recordings, and I mean the oldest ones, you absolutely start to hear a confident, deliberate use. And I, and I want you to think of this. To the dancer... Uh -huh. well, I had this conversation with a dancer. That, that's a good point. Okay, well, to the dancer, the musician, sometimes, and I don't mean all the time, but sometimes the predominant feeling of these songs is not four or two, but it's uh, one. Yeah. Correct, one, but one, one, one. I talked to someone who, a, a Westerner, 
who about they had this kind of same conversation today earlier about dancing who had had training in it. She said the important thing that we had to learn was they give very specific cues to let you know when another section is starting, and it's also common who to does? do that. Who gives it? Uh, African drummers often yeah, in yeah, African yeah. dance because the drummer – it's not as tight, you know, when we think about contra dancing or square dancing and it's all kind of tied together in groups of eights and fours and things like that, or even if it's crooked, if it's a crooked song, everyone knows there's this extra one beat in here. Uh, she was saying that she thinks it's different in African music and trying to learn it as a dancer because they'll say you get through a thing and then there's like this boom, period where boom. everybody gets back together again, <laughs> where you listen for the drummer to go, boom, and then start it again. And it's really important that That's you know right. that because so, a new section begins. So what was happening over there with you this last uh, uh, Boy, that's a lot of stuff. I was there for a wedding and uh, wrote a specific tune to play for the bride to come down the aisle. And it was, forgive me, but so moving and so cool, in particular at the rehearsal when I played it. And everybody's all stressed out. We're on an island with animals and alligators and stuff that can eat you around. And and you've got mothers of the bride, you know, trying to get along and all this kind of stuff. Are you really uh, trying to squeeze the biggest part of the story into like one minute? Yeah, we're, de- we're done. We're out of time. Dude, you told me that everything over there can kill you. <laughs> That's true. It's and very I, true. I got a buddy from... Um, Nigeria that I was talking to Sunday and I was telling him you were in Victoria Falls is that right yeah well that was one of the places and I I, I said how far is uh, Victoria Falls from Nigeria and he just laughed at me <laughs> yeah that's it's farther than the United States is yeah, <laughs> yeah and, but probably it, by three times it's funny because he was pointing out it's much larger country you know like Nigeria has very little to do with Victoria Falls Nothing at all. I mean, if we can go just a couple of minutes longer, just you for should, you should. It was a geography lesson for me, you know, right from the beginning, learning about Cartesian maps and how the, all this stuff works. Five United States will fit into Africa. Tell me that really quick. What was the map distortion deal? I think it's called Cartesian. No, I could be wrong, but I think it's the Cartesian thing. It's when the lines were drawn for trade routes, it was easier for people to follow them if they made them straight in the northern hemisphere, which distorted the southern hemisphere and made it appear really small on the early maps. And there's some people who say it sort of stayed a thing as well, just to, but I don't know that that's true, um, just to, you know, be like, hey, we're bigger than you. But uh, Africa's unbelievable. And here's the thing that I just didn't know, uh, because I don't know that much about geography, but you have all these countries in Africa. And we think about, you know, if you go to New York or you go to to Oregon, it's even though the culture is different from Alabama and Mississippi, the laws are mostly the same. Yeah. But when you go from country to country, which some of these are state-sized or you know, you're you're going into a different world, right? Completely different world. A and different so, like, world. Yeah, where we were on uh, in Zambia for the longest part on the border, we were on the Zambezi River, which borders Zimbabwe. If you go into Zimbabwe, there's a good chance you'd get shot. Uh, just crossing the river. I mean, and they could shoot you. And it's also true for the elephants. So the elephants and wildlife that cross this great big Zambezi River uh, to Zambia feel safer there in that they're more docile. I mean, they'll still kill you, 
Right. But they aren't as jumpy as they are on the other side because they're being hunted on the other side. So there's, I mean, that just changes from one small country to the other. And, you know, languages change. There's hundreds of different languages. Um, I don't know. The, you feel safe in some places and you're very unsafe in others. The biggest mistake you can make is to think you're safe when you're not. And, and I guess there's sometimes when you think you're unsafe and you aren't. <laughs> I would think those could be equal and opposite errors. Uh, but you could also say the biggest mistake would be to not go to a place because you're worried about feeling unsafe. And maybe We're one always... of the smartest things you could do is to not go to a place because oh, you're feeling I don't know. unsafe. I'd do it again, and I, and I want to do it again, and I want to take my grandchildren there. Well, um, I don't want to do it, but I will if I get a chance. Because... <laughs> That's good. Maybe we'll do it together. <laughs> So, um, hey, we should, we should wrap this up. There's much more to tell, but uh, I'll tell the stories, the rest of the stories. Yeah, I the next with, seven with podcasts photos. will be about Dan and, and, and the various no, mosquito nets saying. that he I'm, encountered. I'm going to tell the stories with photos and videos on Facebook, so join me there. Hey, you people listening to this show, we'll see you later. Can you write us and tell us that you're listening? Because this could just be me and Steve talking They're to each other. They're not even hearing you right now. I, they just hung up. And, and I'm that's probably true. I'm okay with just talking to you because we do this anyway. So you want to hear from people? I think it would be nice. I'll tell you what I would like to see. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to have an Apple device to listen to this show. Um. So, I'd love to hear from some folks who are listening to this podcast on strange non-Apple devices. Uh, Maybe on their shoe phone. If there's any difficulties with it, you know, we're learning about this stuff. And also go to go to iTunes online in your browser and leave some reviews on this. That's show. really important. Really, really, really important for us uh, to be able to have if you want to get other people to hear it. But see, here's the thing, Steve. Dulcimer geeks, maybe like I don't really want to tell anybody else I listen to this because it's, you know, it's a private uh, because I'm affair. A, because I'm a geek. <laughs> and geeks don't really do that. Right, so they just need to use an anonymous um, identity. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Hey, Thanks. have a good week, dude. And we didn't even talk about your mom riding a trike much. So. You are extending this program past its usefulness. <laughs> Goodbye. See you.